0: Hey preheaters, it's Stefan in London. Welcome to our final August QuickBite episode. In the time-honored tradition of summer vacation, Andrea and I are taking a few weeks off and preparing the show for the busy fall baking season. But fear not, we're taking turns hosting bite-sized episodes to see you through the dog days of summer. In years past, we've tackled everything from five ingredient bakes to our individual passions of jam making and baking on the barbecue. This year, we're TCB, that's taking care of baking, to tackle some of our 20 for 20 baking resolutions. I'm devoting my last quick bite to a resolution that's been on my mind for almost a year, developing a homemade Biscoff muffin. Or will it be a cupcake? I'll talk you through my process and share my original recipe, and we'll see if I was able to knock this one off the list or if it still needs some work. So grab an iced tea and get ready for some short and sweet talk. Last fall, loyal listeners may remember that I was obsessed with trying the UK coffee chain Costa's limited edition original Biscoff muffin. And if you need a refresh on that, you can listen back to episodes 147 and 149. If you're not familiar with Biscoff or cookie butter, it's generic name. It's a creamy, very addictive concoction that's kind of like peanut butter or Nutella, but it's made with spiced speculose cookies, Those are popular in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg, Austria, Germany, among other countries. The good people at Costa magicked up a limited edition muffin, which, long story short, I was a little disappointed in, and I vowed I could do it better. So much so that I made it a 20 for 20 baking resolution, and you guessed it, it's time to get busy. Now, a funny thing happened on the way to my original Biscoff muffin. I originally had this scheduled for my first quick bite at the very beginning of this month, the first week of August, but it proved to be a little trickier than I had anticipated, which meant I needed the month of August to see it through to success. First of all, let's be honest. Muffin is usually a word we use when we want to eat cake in the morning. <laughs> I was pretty sure early on that I was going to call a spade a spade and develop a Biscoff cupcake. And here it Preheated, by the way, We think you can eat cake guilt-free 24 hours a day. Going in, I had some pretty specific ideas of what I wanted, or more to the point, what I didn't. I didn't want a cupcake with Biscoff swirled in. I wanted it to have a Biscoff core. I wanted the cake to be flavorful but not compete with the Biscoff spread, but by the same token, the cake had to be sturdy enough to hold up to the cookie butter spread, which is pretty thick and heavy. I looked at a lot of spice cake recipes early on, but ultimately at this point, I decided I wanted a classic vanilla cupcake filled with the Biscoff cookie spread. I fell down a delightful rabbit hole on Taste of Home that had 37 filled cupcake variations, and I will link to that in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 192. I promise it will make your day. So here's how I came up with my own recipe the first time around. I sifted, no pun intended, through a ton of vanilla cake recipes. Now, lots of vanilla cake recipes call for eggs and egg whites, which are touted as giving the cake a lot of lift and fluff. But again, I was after a denser cupcake, so I went with whole eggs. I wanted a good amount of vanilla flavor, but I didn't want it to overwhelm the Biscoff cookie butter core. So I went with half a tablespoon of pure extract, not a scraped bean like many recipes do call for. At this point, I started referencing a classic cake called a 1-2-3-4 cake, which is shorthand for 1 cup of butter, 2 cups of sugar, 3 cups of flour, and 4 eggs. The only problem was I've recently noticed that my favorite cakes all include buttermilk, so I was determined to add this ingredient too. I didn't want to use cake flour. It's hard to find here in the UK, and again, I didn't necessarily want a really airy and light cake, so plain flour it was for me. Finally, I didn't need a huge recipe, as many cake recipes translate into about three dozen cupcakes. I scaled back on ingredients until I had a more reasonable yield of one dozen. For the frosting, I wanted something more nuanced than just Biscoff whipped into vanilla buttercream. I thought back to that browned butter frosting we made with Prince Harry's Caramel Banana Cake. It was lighter, but with nice, complementary flavors, including tang from sour cream, I thought that would go really well with the buttermilk in the cake. It also had a pretty brown gloss, which I thought would contrast nicely with the paler white of the cupcake. Finally, I didn't want to decorate the top with Biscoff cookies like Costa had. I liked the idea of someone biting into it and saying, oh my gosh, this is so good, without really knowing what they were getting into. So the day arrived and I was ready to make the cupcakes. I had sourced Vanilla cake recipes, I had come up with my own and I was ready to roll. But then I realized that all of my desires on paper didn't exactly translate well to the finished product. The vanilla cake was still too fragile. The Biscoff core was a fun idea, but it was really a chore to get through. Not only to make, but also to eat. That ball of Biscoff cookie butter spread was just too thick, too much. It was very daunting. The brown butter frosting competed with the cookie butter and ultimately made the cupcake much too sweet. Also, I won't sugarcoat it. These were ugly. (laughs) My attempts to create a hollow core for the cookie butter filling was clumsy. Note to self, it's time to invest in an actual cupcake corer. And the brown butter frosting wasn't winning any beauty contests either. It was back to the drawing board. The first thing I needed to do was revisit the idea of the cake base. My experiment filling the cupcake with Biscoff did not work, so I decided to play up the inherent flavors of the spice cookie and create a flavorful spice cake to make the entire cupcake taste like a Biscoff cookie. I turned to a classic source, Better Homes and Gardens' new cookbook, the uh, 1996 edition, which I'm dating myself, I got as part of a Book of the Month Club subscription, Their spice cake recipe in that book is really straightforward, turns out great results, but crucially it also doesn't make a huge batch. Most importantly, this recipe used buttermilk, but I still needed to update it for my preferences. Specifically, I substituted vegetable oil for the shortening called for in the original recipe. As I've mentioned earlier, my favorite cakes these days really rely on a little vegetable oil and buttermilk. I love that combo. I think it makes a really nice crumb and moistness in a cake. I also amped up the spices using fresh nutmeg, and I added another spice cupboard staple that I love, which is allspice. So at this point, my original recipe, which is posted in the recipes tab over at preheatedpodcast.com. It's two cups of all-purpose or plain flour. One and a half teaspoons of baking powder, half a teaspoon of baking soda or bicarb, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg. Of course, you could use ground if you didn't have fresh nutmeg on hand. A quarter teaspoon of ground cloves, a quarter teaspoon of ground ginger, a quarter teaspoon of ground allspice, half a teaspoon of salt, a quarter cup of butter softened, a quarter cup of vegetable or rapeseed oil, which is very prevalent here in the UK and and is a neutral oil that I rely on. One and a half cups of granulated sugar, half a teaspoon of pure vanilla extract, two eggs, and one cup of buttermilk. Using a standard muffin tin, I had enough batter for 14 cupcakes. I realize this is a bit of an awkward size. I have two types of muffin tins one has space for 12, and one has space for six. Now, you could just split that remaining batter and make your cupcakes a little bit bigger than I did, so you would just have to use two six cup pans or one 12-cup pan. In a medium bowl, you're going to whisk together your dry ingredients of your flour, baking powder, baking soda, spices, and salt, and set that aside. Then using your stand mixer, or you could use a handheld mixer, of course, in a large bowl, you beat together your softened butter and oil, about 30 seconds until it's nicely incorporated, adding in your sugar and vanilla and beating that until combined, adding your eggs one at a time. And I also like to scrape down the bowl at this point just to make sure I have incorporated all of that butter and sugar. Now you add your dry mixture alternately with your buttermilk, starting and ending with the flour mixture. Beating on low speed after each addition and scraping down the sides again. Also, I find when I'm done with all the rounds of incorporating, I like to give it a nice final stir with a silicone spatula. You divide that batter among your muffin cups. And I do like to use the paper liners, but silicone liners would also work. Or of course, you could always just lightly grease your muffin tins. Bake at 350 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 175 Celsius, for about 15 minutes or until a wooden toothpick or cake tester comes out clean and the cupcakes are nice and golden. Turn them onto a wire rack and cool completely. Of course... Whenever you're about to frost a cake, that is the number one priority. As tempting as it is to get the frosting on and get it into your mouth, make sure your cake is completely cool, or you'll be sorry, that frosting will slide right off. Now the cake itself was going to taste like a Biscoff cookie, but I wanted a little something more. Departing from my previous idea to hide the star ingredient of cookie butter, This time I decided to take it front and center, frosting the tops with that smear of cookie butter. It was easy and quick, and it let the eater in on the secret right away. I used about a cup total, and I frosted each cupcake with a generous amount of the cookie butter spread. Now, you may need more or less Biscoff or cookie butter spread, depending on how much frosting you like on your cupcake. But I think one cup of spread did a great job frosting 14 cupcakes. These were also better looking than my previous batch. Golden brown and autumnal. I thought they were perfect as we're heading into fall. And they just looked cozy. But how did they taste? Well, in my mind, exactly like I wanted them to. The cake was moist but not fragile. And it really did feel like a hybrid of a cupcake and a muffin. It was spicy and warm and comforting in the way that only a spice cake can be. The Biscoff frosting was just the right amount of spread. A young neighborhood taste tester summed it up best when he told me, Stefan, these were so good. They tasted just like the cookie. Success! I will put my original recipe in the recipes tab of our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and I'll also link to it in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 192. And listeners, I'd love to know what you think of my recipe, or if you make your own original muffin or cupcake. Why don't you drop me a note at hosts at preheatedpodcast.com and let me know. All month long, I've really enjoyed TCB taking care of baking, but I also realize how much I've enjoyed revisiting special places through the power of baking. With travel so curtailed right now, creating some regional specialties has been a lovely way to spend my summer vacation and provided me lots of reminiscing. I hope you've enjoyed visiting Slovenia and the Czech Republic and London with me too, even if we did it from our respective kitchens. Well, the timer's buzzed, and I've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week, Andrea and I will be back with full-length episodes when we go back to breakfast. From brunch faves to grab-and-go options, sweet to savory, we'll put a preheated spin on the most important meal of the day. If you're in need of some summertime reading, pick up a copy of Lori Colwyn's Home Cooking. That's our September Preheated Book Club pick. And remember, you can find all of our book recommendations on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. In the meantime, consider catching up on any episodes you may have missed. There's nearly 200 of them available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a little extra time this summer, please rank, review, and recommend us on your favorite platforms. If you'd like to receive an email with a link to the full show notes, connect with us on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook community, Preheated, and tag your pics on Instagram with at preheatedpod. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. With travel so curtailed right now, creating some regional specialties